as I've grown, I realized that, you know, a lot of people's weight issues or their eating habits are tied to something that's so much deeper than just surface area problem that they think that they have. And I had to do that. I had to learn. I couldn't coach that until I grew into that in my own journey. Get ready to tune into stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, podcasters, if you're like me, you love hosting your show, but get discouraged by the time it takes to produce and market the final product. Turn to Podcast Media Machine, the number one solution for podcast design, production, content creation, and management. Visit podcastmediamachine.com. That's podcastmediamachine.com. Now back to our show. Hey, hey, everybody I have with me today, Eric Freedom. I have known Eric maybe a year or two. Yeah, at least two. He is a Southern California cat and is, uh, I met him through the fitness industry, but this dude, it's got so much more going on. He's a coach. He's an entrepreneur. He's an author. And then really importantly, he's a husband and father of three. He has podcasts. He's doing all the things. And quite frankly, him and I jive. So you're probably not going to get a lot of um, arguments in this in this episode. <laughs> Welcome, Eric. How you doing, brother? Thanks, man. Um, thanks for having me, man. Excited to be here. Um, yeah, I'm excited, excited to chat. And yeah. This has been um, in the making for a long time. And I don't remember... Well, I do remember why we kind of circled back around, which, but, uh, but that doesn't matter what we talked about, like getting on each other's podcasts, I think over yeah. a year ago and yes. here we are. And it's actually really good timing, uh, really good timing. Cause you've recently had a book out. Yeah. You've been going kind of through your own stuff and, and kind of reestablishing <clears throat> what you do. So yeah. super pumped. I think, I think God always has these things lined up, whether you believe in God or not, guys, I do believe that that is you know, there's, there's purpose and rhyme and reason to a lot of the things yeah. that happen. So, uh, what's going on in your life now, man? <laughs> a lot, man. Um, probably most, most recently, literally, uh, well, it's actually technically not even live yet from the publisher. So I, I do have like a physical copy here, but, uh, got the book out. Um, that's, that's what I've been working on. Uh, it's a two year culmination of, uh, kind of like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't say the word memoir because I, I feel way too young to have a memoir, but <laughs> it's been probably a two, a two year work of everything I've learned in the past 15 years, mm -hmm. uh, summed up into a five step framework. And, um, and I've just been going through a journey of, uh, spiritual, emotional, mental, um, probably most recently financial growth. Um, and each of these pillars in my life have had different, um, have grown in, at different paces. And it's just been really cool to honestly, like I wake up and I'm, I'm grateful for the life that I get to steward. Um, I know that the average, uh, I know that the average American lives to like 78 years old. I'm, I'm big on longevity. So, um, the average American male, I think lives to 76, the average female lives to 80. Um, and I look at my life and I'm like, I'm about halfway there yeah. uh, if I live to the average and how do I make the most and, um, steward everything I've been given to the best of my ability. Yeah. That's such a, it's funny. I was recording a podcast the other day and the, uh, the author brought up like the, the percentage of her life she'd lived. And I was kind of thinking about some dudes I know, like you might do this, but Scott Carpenter does this. 
I think Jeff Smith does this. These are is it Memento Mori? Well, Memento Mori, dude, like we can go down that whole road. But <laughs> they have a, uh, I know Scott does it. They have a, a poster on the wall with the number of days oh, that they've right, lived with an right, endpoint. Right here, bro. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, brother. If you're listening, yeah. he just moved his camera and he showed. Yeah. So um, there you go. And and it's it's like this real pill. Like you like look yeah. at it and you're like, whoa, uh, I have a lot to do and I don't have a moment to waste, but I've got to live today. Like it's my last. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, you know, when I first got it, I even have like the, one of my coaches got me the coin and it's just oh, like, yeah. just know that what you do do today matters. Right. And mm-hmm. it's an easy reminder, I think, because it's so easy for us to get in different head spaces, being an entrepreneur, being a parent. Um, I'm 35 years old this year and I have three young children. And as a parent, you, you never stop thinking about your kids. Right. And you're thinking about how, how to provide, how to protect them, how to lead them. And you're constantly asking this internal question of, am I do like, am I doing the best I can? Am I, am I, uh, uh, am I being responsible with what I've been given? And, um, that's a, that's a big part of my story too, but overall, man, 2022 has been a great year. Uh, I've been really blessed. I've, I've grown, like, like I said, in every pillar in different ways and, um, I mean, we could probably talk about each one, but yeah, like I just, I'm, I'm really grateful for how this year is ending and I'm totally looking forward to, you know, for the new year. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird concept for me. Um, like kind of entering into a new year because I, I, I really live and preach on the hill of like, oh, let me put it in these, these regards. I was on a um, mastermind call that I do. And one of the guys was like, I'm starting 75 hard on the first of January 1st. Yeah. And I, and I like looked at him <coughs> and I said, well, through zoom, I looked at him. I said, so you're doing 75 soft. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, what's significant is the first, like, why would yeah. you start today? I'm, I'm yeah. like totally confused. And Hey, look, I'm, I'm one, like I haven't been as good on my nutrition because there's yeah. just a lot of crap sitting around, Sure, but dude, I'm not going to miss a workout. I'm not going to yeah. miss a, a gratitude sure. walk. I'm not because, sure. because we, we got to focus in. So 2023, it's just these markers, right? Yep. These markers that are really incredibly important. Um, so 2023, did new journey for you, same journey expanding yeah. into new areas. What's the story? Yeah. Here? You know, so I, I tend to think of like human beings as, uh, creatures with rhythms. Right. Yeah. And when I think about us, and I think that's the only, for me, at least that's the only significance from a year to year basis is it's an actual milestone and marker that you can look at on a year to year basis. Right. And, Agreed. and we, you know, it's, it's, it's how many trips around the sun we have, to, we get to have, and we, we mark it with 365 days. And, um, whether you want to start something in that, like, if you, I, like, I wouldn't wait 300 days to start something. Um, but, it, but what I like about it is it gives you a marker of, of, uh, I don't know if you're big on like Parkinson's law, right? But we take it, oh, we, take, man. Heck we yeah. take the amount of time that we give ourselves to do something. Right. Yeah. So I look at it in, in the span of a year, like, how did I steward well? Where was my focus? Right. Um, did I, did I do the things that I say that I was going to do? And did I live in alignment with who I feel like I've been called to be? Yep. Right. And okay. so for me, I think looking at 2023, like where I guess where I'm really excited is just, you know, is I've been a coach most of my life. And, you know, for my adult career, it's been coaching of 16 years coaching. Uh, I've owned a, like a CrossFit 
uh, affiliate for 10 years now, 10 years uh, in like three months. Um, and there's all these milestones that are happening. And, you know, when you first start a gym, you, um, I know, I know that you're in the fitness space too. When you, when you first start a gym, you, I was a kid, I was 25 years old. I was, uh, had been doing CrossFit, uh, for probably like three years prior, uh, wanted to go to back then RIP regionals and I'm familiar with the sport. And I was just trying to qualify and go as far as I could and being in the sport and, and wanting to coach others. You, you see at 25, you see this very almost superficial layer of what it means to be healthy, right? It's like, right. oh, I'm going to get you really fit. So you're going to look really good. And um, it's just going to make you awesome. And I, I do believe that. I have a good friend. His name is Matt. And he says that uh, uh, fitness or uh, health and fitness is the gateway drug to an awesome life. And I agree. I agree with that because if you start there, you it's like the most it's the most tangible, feasible thing that you can do for yourself that everyone can relate to. And it, it, it blows up everything else around you, you know, right. if you can get that going. So it's for me, it started as this really sh- kind of more shallow thing. And as yeah. I've, as I've grown, I realized that, you know, a lot of people's weight issues or their eating habits are tied to so- something that's so much deeper than just this surface area problem that they think that they have. And I had to, I had to do that. I had to learn. I couldn't coach that until I grew into that in my own journey. Until yeah. I, I started to investigate like my own past and look at like, what are some of these triggers that I've had, um, that has maybe held me back in my fitness? Because everything spiritual, emotional, physical, um, financial and mental, they're all tied together in some way. So you know? true. Dude, I, this has been kind of my story over the last four years where I started to take maybe three years. I started to take, and I had the fitness thing down, right? I had it down. And then I, I I kind of recommitted to, I I looked at my life and I'm like, I do CrossFit every single day and starting to get a little monotonous. And I was like, even though it's like constantly varied, you know, (laughs) it's it's like, uh, but it it was just something about it. I thought, well, okay, I want to walk into my gym. I have a gym. I want to walk into my gym. I want to do what I'm, what I'm doing with fervor. I want to really enjoy it. So I gave myself permission, (coughs) gave myself permission to do something different. I started doing like functional bodybuilding. I started going on rocks. I started, I got back into mountain biking and I found my love for that again. So mm-hmm. I re kind of reignited that. Then it was like, okay, my mental, like I, and, and, and you know, I don't remember what your exact pillars are, but I started to really chip away at every single thing. Mm-hmm. And the next one would then, once I kind of, it was habit stacking for sure. 100%. I was, I was being incredibly intentional about like getting something done, getting something to the point where I was actually good at it. And it was a part of my routine. 100%. It was, it was actual ritual. Then I would move to the next thing. And just recently I'm kind of been working through the financial and at 50, 49 years old, that's kind of scary, but I've been working into financial <laughs> because you can never finish working on that. You nope. can always be better, <clears throat> man, as those start to stack and each one gets more strong, it brings up new challenges in the ones that I have yet to do. Yeah, absolutely. And man, it's like a exponential uh, effect. Yeah. Yeah. It's just I mean, it's literally stacking on stacking. Right. And, um, I had the, uh, it makes me think of like what you just said. It makes me think of two things. 
uh, number one, I, I, I ran, so this is really random fact, but I just logged my first 30 minutes of, uh, flight time yesterday. So oh. I'm planning on getting my private pilot license this year. Wow. Uh, maybe I'll give myself two years. Yeah. Uh, just cause I don't. It's pretty intense. Yeah. It's pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, the requirements. So it's, it's about 40 hours, uh, 20 hours on your own, but I'm like, okay, that's, if I break that up, I probably might get 30 minutes to 60 minutes a week. So it's probably a one to two year thing to get it all done plus ground school. Um, yeah. but one of my good friends is a mentor of mine is a, is a, he's a pilot. He was multiple different careers and then, uh, like was a pastor for a little bit, sold his company, he, sold his company, became a pastor, then got this passion for doing missions and was like, I'm going to use my private pilot license to do missions. So he bought a oh, plane wow. with his dad and long, long story short, I randomly thought it'd be really cool to get in the air because I hate flying. Um, like I hate la- uh, land landing and takeoff, and yeah. for me, what what I when I look at growth, I look at growth as doing things that are extremely uncomfortable. And I think those things, when you can have conquer, we can conquer things that you find scary or uncomfortable. That's where growth happens. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do the most extreme thing possible in regards to flying. And I'm gonna get my I'm gonna get my pilot license uh, because Great. that's my way of winning in that air, arena. Um, but as we were landing yesterday, you know, we're talking and we take off the, we take off our, our headsets and, and something he says to me is I share with him like this concept of these five pillars that I live by. And he's like, he, you know, this, he, mind you, he's closer to your age. He's like 54. And he says, you know, um, you know, at 35 years old, I get the things that you're thinking about. If I can give you one piece of advice is with, with everything that you just said about these five pillars that you have, spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, and financial, your best investment for you going to next year is just working on the ones that you constantly reassess and work on the ones where you feel like are the weakest because those are going to be the ones that pull you down. And when those even out, everything else just kind of explodes or takes trajectory because you're, you're now in a more rounded place. It's kind of like doing CrossFit, right? It's like, it's weird. To, it's weird to think, but if your overhead pressing improves, somehow you probably will be more stable when you handstand walk or, um, do some kind of other pressing movement, right? Because you have more stability and strength, right? So it's kind of the same analogy there. So good. So good. And it it addresses something that I really put a challenge out. I, you know, I put the challenge out on, on social media. I'm like, so a piece of content that I posted over and over and over again yeah. is I know a lot of people in the fitness industry and you come from the fitness industry. I know a lot of people in the fitness injury industry. I think of people like Matt Chenard, you know, we both know Matt Chenard and he is, he is strong in so many ways, but what I was challenging and there's a story behind this is there was a, there was a guy multiple and they were telling me and they've been on podcasts. I've been on their podcast. They're telling me how strong they were and how they do hard things every day. Mm -hmm. And we're all human and I have a lot of grace for folks, but there was a certain, certain situation where one of them like said, I can't do that because, and it was just the mm. lamest ass excuse I'd ever mm. heard. I'm like, dude is not mentally strong. He's not mentally strong. He can go lift weights. He can do hard things. He can do ice baths. He can do, you know, a 12 hour rock or whatever. Yeah. But then you, you challenge him emotionally and this maybe it's emotional strength. Yeah. And he just buckled like a like a dry leaf, dude. It's just like crunch. And I was just so disappointed. I was so heartbroken. I'm like, why am I worried about this? Everybody has their own journey. And and I've worked through how I perceive other people. But I realized that so many guys in the fitness industry are 
really physically solid and they will do physical challenges, even like mental challenges, but it's the emotional challenge. And I like that you're bringing this up. 100%. Yeah. Um, Man, so many segues of just what you just said makes me, my mind went like 10 different places. (laughs) Um, The first thing that I I think of is earlier, um, you said, you said something along lines of like, you gave yourself permission to uh, like go do things for yourself. Like, like you, and as a gym owner, right. I, I, that totally resonates because as a CrossFitter, right. I, I was a, I was a pure hardcore CrossFitter. And when you think about doing something like FBB or something different, you, you almost feel kind of a guilt. Like, am I, am I, am I staying true? Am I staying, am, am I staying true to this, almost like this theology of fitness that I've prescribed, ascribed to over the, over the years. Right. So you question that. And I think something that you said that was really important was, and this isn't just in fitness, is everything starts, and I talk about this in, in, in the book too, is like everything starts with giving ourselves permission. And the thing about, I'm, I'm a, I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram, but I'm a, oh, yeah. I'm an Enneagram two wing three. And I'm like, I'm just a major helper. I like, I will, I'll give people the shirt off my back if they needed it, right? Um, literally have done that before, right? Um, in Skid Row, like a guy was cold. I was like, here, have my shirt. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, I think about that. It's like, I'm so drawn to be this way. Like, I don't know how God made me this way. I, if I do an audit of how I was raised, I can probably see many reasons why, but I'm the first person to go. Like when I look at someone and they're struggling, I'll be like, dude, you got this man. Hey, you should just go for it. You deserve it. And, and, and so on. Right. And I'm sure you're that way too. But what's interesting is we often don't give ourselves the permission to be the person that we feel like we're called to be or do the things that we feel like we want to do. Yet we will, we will extend that permission to everybody else around us. Right. And that permission to grow, um, is that that's the impetus for everything else in our lives. If you don't give yourself, if we don't give ourselves permission first, um, we've literally created a cage around where we can go. Right. It's like, Oh, well, you, you can do this, but, but it's like the, what your guy just said, I can't. Right. And yeah. that, that's kind of where my mind went when you, when you shared about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe I think it's, I think it's a common thread, but I noticed it in the, in the fitness industry folks. And I, you just brought up something. I think we're just spiking each other's uh, conversation, moving back yeah. and forth and bouncing. But I was thinking of like, why do I do my big event? And this isn't a promotion yeah. for my big event, but I, I really question, why do I do this? It's because I see it, that so many people need permission to stop and be introspective and connect at a different level with other men who are going to yeah. hold them accountable and really look under the hood and say, whoa, yeah. dude, and have that that like reflection of each other. Like, hey, yeah. look, you got to work on this. Like, yep. Yeah. And dropping the social armor, it's a term that was, you know, that I use a lot, but, uh, but, uh, but you, you bring a really good point. We need that too. You and I, we oh, need sure. that too. And we are so, I am a helper. Like I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, yeah. I'll hop on a phone the other day, a guy needed my service and I'm like, you know, and I said, Hey, look, I told him the prices. I can't afford that. I said, okay, grab a paper and a pencil and write ferociously. Cause I'm going to give you the answer. I'm going to give you actually give you the equation to the, to the problem solved. You're going to solve this problem. You follow this. It's going to cost you way less, but you're going to have to do it yourself. Yeah. And it's like giving the shirt off your back. 
Yep. I'm, I'm giving up business yep. because that guy wasn't ready for it. But yep. then on the other end, we're not very forgiving for ourselves. And I think a lot of men <laughs> yeah. are like that, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, yeah. and then, and then to, to kind of spike back again to what you said about us, especially as men, um, like when I look at my own fitness journey, it's just, it's almost like, you know, when I, when I look at the context, if I zoom out and I look at man, like this is the work that God has been doing in my life over the course of 20 years, 35, 20, 30, 35 years, it all makes sense. But when you're in it, when you're a teenager trying to figure out life, when you're in your, in your twenties trying to figure it out, like you, there's so many, so much information coming at you and you have so many experiences and assumptions about culture and who you should be. I think back on like, wh- like why am I who, like, first of all, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a tall guy. I'm like five foot eight, but you're taller I'm, than me. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the biggest person in my family by a lot. Like in terms, not height, but like I'm wide. I have a lot more muscle mass than my, my, anyone in my family does. And I'm like, Hmm, why is that? I've questioned that a lot. And I want to, I want to take this opportunity to kind of share a story, give you context to like, I think this is going to answer a lot of questions for a lot of men. Um, you know, I've, I've always been a gym guy. Like I've always been a gym guy as in, I've always been interested in pumping iron and lifting weights and doing all those things. Well, to give you context, uh, I'm the firstborn of two, uh, Taiwanese Chinese immigrants. Okay. My parents came from Taiwan when they're in their both separately in their early twenties. Uh, typical traditional immigrant story. They, my, my dad went to, um, uh, boarding school out here. And then my mom came here after school, after college. And, um, they, they met and they're doing like trying to make the American dream happen. You know, they're, you know, the American dream is get a house, live debt free, possibly if possible, uh, buy a BMW. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like the very pro typical American dream. And, um, you know, my, what I remember of my childhood, uh, and this is like the opening scene to my book is, is there was a lot of trauma for me growing up. And it's crazy is, is this, this, this incident and event happened when I was like 10 years old, but I literally buried it for 10 plus years of my life. Like it wasn't even a thought in my mind, uh, for years after it happened. And then it resurfaced and, I started to connect the dots. And so what happened was, is, is I grew up, uh, and because my parents were chasing this dream, they were, they had a very tumultuous marriage for like, I would call it like, I call it Asian divorce. And it's basically when you should get a divorce, but you're just kind of fighting and staying together for whatever reason, um, because of finances are tied together or because you have two young children that you've, that you've, that you've given birth to. But, my parents got married and essentially had me and then had this like seven year drawn out separation. Um, my dad, my dad cheated on my mom. Um, they had financial, uh, different financial, uh, ph- uh, philosophies on how to manage money. That's a huge one. Right. And it came to a tipping point where my dad got into a really dark place. And at the time I, I, I couldn't like, I, I literally grew up hating my father. Right. Um, especially after they got divorced, I was basically raised by a single mom. But at the tipping point of their relationship, um, uh, I'm about 10 years old and my brother and I are sitting in my living room and my, I hear, I hear a gunshot, uh, outside my house. And, uh, my nanny comes up to me and basically calls me and goes, Hey, like you should go outside because I think she probably kind of saw what happened. Um, but 
she, I think she, she didn't know what to do. She's, she herself was an immigrant as well. And it's like, like Asian people, like we just like, don't call the police. It's just like, you don't, you don't, you don't involve, uh, involve the authorities, right? It's not, it's not their business. And as I'm walking outside, I turn the corner, I hear a second shot. And, um, I turn around and the scene that I see is my mom leaning up against, uh, the bumper of a car and she's like shaking and she's like sobbing. And I see, I see my dad with a revolver in his hand. And, um, you know, that became like the subconscious lasting memory of, of my parents' marriage, uh, for, for years. And, you know, uh, things went exactly how you thought they would go. And, and, and I was angry at my dad, but going back on it, I could like now as a grown man raising my own children, I see the brokenness that he was going through. I see right. how hard he was trying. Right. But that set the precedence for me to, um, number one, become an extremely angry person. I was a very, very angry young man growing up. It didn't take much to uh, make me an angry person. The only emotion that I knew growing up was anger. Mm-hmm. Oh, you feel frustrated about something? Get mad. Oh, you want to, you probably heard this in sports before. Hey, you want to play better? Play angry. Oh, it was not hard for me to access anger in sports. I could, I could turn it on like that. Right. Um, and I think about the impetus for even who I became the subsequent years was I like, like this is like probably around 10, 10 or so years old, around 11, 12 years old. I started to, to get this idea that I really want to lift weights and I want to, I want to start like bench pressing. And what I realized was I, I developed this out of a, almost like a, a nurtured nature, nurture thing where I wanted to defend myself. I wanted to defend myself against my dad. I wanted to protect my mom. And in my mind, I had a plan to kill him. I was literally ready to take my dad's life because I hated him so much because of the destruction he had caused um, in my family, you know? And that's the context that I grew up. That's, that's like, when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, of course you would get really into sports. Of course you would, um, become this angry person that, you know, like wants to lift weights because like many people in the fitness industry, like I, I, I jokingly say this, but I joke that like bodybuilders are the most insecure people I've ever met. And this isn't like a knock on bodybuilders because I have lots of bodybuilders, but, but we're the most, we can be or they can be the most insecure people because there's so much banked on this exterior look, this aesthetic of who you are. Right. And there's so much more to a person than the way they look on the outside, but natural, it's almost like an animalistic response to who we are. Like I had this trauma. So you know what, mm-hmm. what I'm going to do is I'm going to go build defenses. I'm going to go and like, I've like, since a kid, I thought it was a good idea to have a gun. And even though I experienced it because I view it as, Oh, that could make me safe. Right. You know? So, you know, that, that gives you like, it, it makes me think about like, I was so like, like, I went and, and I had ups and downs too. Like I, I became very heavy and then I got really into fitness again. And it, may, it just reminds me like, you know, fits, if like fitness people are physically fit, but maybe not the most emotionally developed, especially men, you know, like where it's an easy outlet for us to go and put all our eggs in one basket. And then we never develop in any of this other, these other pillars. That's, that's amazing. That's a really good story. You and I share a, um, a concept uh, it's near and dear to my heart. And I think it's one of the greatest gifts I can give my kids, my boys, and greatest gifts I can give other people who maybe aren't as far along in their entrepreneurial journey as me or in their parenting journey or their their uh, their married journey uh, is sharing your failures. 
like Absolutely. sharing where you've messed up in your life and be like telling stories around those failed. Like it's a gift. Like I, I, the whole reason I started brotherhood, one, one of the most impactful reasons be, is because I wanted someone like me to tell me yeah. you're doing this wrong. Oh yeah. I wanted someone to say, Scott, you're, you're making the mistakes that I made. Stop it. No one, I don't think anybody yep. did. And so these mistakes and then, um, you know, your dad's mistakes, you, you took this and you used it the wrong way. But now I see this complete 180, right? Yeah. Where you are fighting a, a, a fight. You are in a battle oh, yeah. to kind of break these chains yeah. in not only your family, but your, your community and, you know, 100%. the world. So you had this father figure. Aggression was the name of the game. Now, now we're Eric Freedom, 2000, well, let's say 23 right now. This is airing. Yeah. You're a different man. Yeah. Let's talk about the role of anger. Let's talk about the role yeah. of um, force. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the role of violence, the goods and the bads, and how yeah. today's society is really kind of screwing that up. Yeah. Um, man, it's hard for me to like, I'm taking in everything that you're asking. I'm like trying not to get too emotional as I, as I, you know, when you look back on like these, um, this imagery of like your life and the trauma that you have, like you, even to this day, like it's been 20, 25 years. And like, it doesn't, it doesn't make it any easier to feel those things or process those things. Um, and when I think about my, my dad and, and, and it's funny, I, I look at him and he couldn't give me anything that wasn't given to him. And what he was given was, and I'm choking up. Um, I, you know, I, I, I remember I, I, about two years ago, right before COVID, uh, I, br I brought up this conversation to my dad and I said, Hey dad, I'm writing a book. And I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure you remember it because I do. And it was the first time I'd ever spoken to him about the incident. And. I told, I told him, Hey, I remember these are the details. I remember, do you remember this? And he just starts sobbing. We're at a restaurant and he, he looks at me and you know, he, you could tell the sorrow that is in his, that is in his eyes. You can see the pain and the guilt and the willingness to turn from that and change even as a, as a 60 year old man. And, Nowadays, I, I look at, you know, I, so I, I, I had that conversation with him for two reasons. Number one is like, I want to know that I want him to know that I know, right? Like, because he, what's crazy was my, my parents don't know I was there. My mom knew I was there because later in the night I asked her, I was like, Hey, I saw this. What happened? And she was mortified that I saw anything. She only thought I saw the, the scene afterwards where they, she went into the house and barricaded herself. And, you know, he broke, he broke the door down and like she, she had to call. So she called my grandfather, my father's father and her, his brother. And they had to like physically restrain him because he was, he was just like drunk. Like he had drank an entire bottle of like hard alcohol and he was just out of control. And she thought that was all I saw, which was ugly enough, which is ugly enough. And, um, and she probably, there's a scene where, where like we're in the bathroom. I'm standing there. 
she's standing there, my, my dad's standing there, and he's just like spewing profanity at her and just saying how like you're trying to take my kids and all this stuff and and he's just not in his right mind and I think about how angry he was in that moment and you know fast forward back to this conversation two years ago you know we're processing some of these this experience and my dad starts he starts like at the end of his tears he goes one of my biggest regrets is your grandfather died and I never told him that I love him Mm. and one of his, and, 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 cause my grandfather was a very stoic Chinese man, like very traditional. And you know, what's funny is my grandfather, my dad describes it as a silent love. He never told any of his kids that he loved them. He showed it by providing. He showed it by working hard and, and taking action. And he showed it by being angry when they didn't do their homework or didn't succeed in a certain way or had a face of disdain or contempt when they weren't good enough, but the, but the, you're not good enough comes from a place of, I just want you to be better because I care about you. Right. So I see a broken 60 year old father of mine that is processing his life. And I, I look at him and I see how I've inherited these things. And, um, the anger was there. I, I look back on some of the, the worst, like my wife, I've been with my wife since we were 17 years old. So we're celebrating 18 years uh, in like a, th a few days and we've been married for 10 years, three beautiful children. And while we were dating, she broke up with me twice. And I remember one of those was because I was so angry while driving one time that I started punching the steering wheel. Right. And she got really scared. I'm not like, mind you, I'm probably like 18, 19 years old. Right. And, and she was like, Hey, like I can't be with someone that's, that is this angry. And yet I felt, I felt that anger and it was just so, I was like, you're saying that I can't express myself or be myself. Like, this is just how I feel. And like, you made me feel this way. Right. And it came from this, like, that was the only feeling that I had given myself permission to feel. Right. It was the strongest emotion that I had, I had known how to feel up to that point. And I had known, I had not known any other emotion to draw from, you know, um, it kind of makes me think of that. And then over the years, like I, you know, in the last few years, I, I fast forward again. I, I like one of like a lot of this healing has come from re like my willingness to have reconciliation with my father. You know, like it's weird. Like I, we spent Christmas together. Uh, we spent uh, Christmas together since the last few, and I never thought that. You know, we're not on like we're not like best pals, but but we spend time together. I actively ask him to go to lunch. Um, and this is not a relationship that I ever foresaw myself having with my own dad, right? But a lot of that, seeing who he is and how it's formed me has allowed me to ask a lot of questions about why I respond the way that I respond to certain things. You know, why I can't just pause in a moment because I, you know, if anything I learned from, I, like my dad is a feeler. He feels so strongly, but he doesn't know, he doesn't have anybody to process that with. You know, whereas like me, I do have people, but I just have to be able to like give myself permission to process with myself first, then with others. But how many of us actually give ourselves that space? You know, not enough. Not it's, enough. It yeah. is, wow. First of all, thank you for sharing that. I, I know that's deep. I know it's emotional. I know it's close. But I think there's, again, like, you know, 
you could see your history or, or, or say you're sharing your dad's failures or, or how you responded and, and changed as a failure, but it's not, this is a, this is a journey. This is Absolutely. a, I ha this is what happened. And here's what I have gleaned from this. And here's how I'm going to improve everything moving forward. And even the fact that you've repaired that with your dad, you're, you're not super close, but, but that, that shows the world that past grievances and past issues and past errors can all be forgiven. And, and when, once we find that place of love for ourselves, yeah. uh, time to, we, uh, my friend Kurt calls it giving, you know, creating space. Hmm. You talked about creating space to be okay with what's going on with the emotions you're dealing with to mm -hmm. internalize and understand and then change your reaction. Yeah. Um, it's just so incredibly important and uh, just, wow. Amazing, amazing story. I'm not quite sure what it even is going is, it's just really impactful. I think, I think, I mean, I think the tie back into something that you were saying just now was like, I think that the truth is that it, there's a, there's a story of like ownership in there too, because my father's pain is not mine. And at the end of the day, like we have to own our own realities. And no matter what experiences that we have externally, right? The ones that are outside of our control, we only can focus on the things that we have control over. And what I have control over is my inputs, what I will take in, who I will spend time with, what I will believe to be truth, right? And, and all of those things start to form the direction in which my thoughts and my being are headed in. And I think too many of us become a victim to these circumstances, right? We look at it and we go, oh man, well that like, I can look at my life and that I've seen friends that have done this where it's like, that becomes the, like the, the crutch in their life where it's, oh, this happened to me, man, that sucks. And that's why, that's why I'm still mad and I'm 50, yeah. yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. And it's like, wow. And then you take that and then guess where you pass that on? If you have the, if you have the blessed experience of becoming a parent, you pass it on to your kids and you pass that pain and that hurt onto the next, not even trying to, you know? Yeah. So I think a big part of it is like that beginning of, of owning, man, it starts with, you know, giving, it goes back to the first thing we talked about today is, is giving yourself permission. You have to, we have to give ourselves permission to be different, to see, to see that it can be different. And have hope that we can have a different reality from the one that we've experienced ourselves. Yeah. I see a lot of men doing exactly what you're talking about is, is this is what I know. This is the only thing I know. I can't change my history. Therefore it's going to be the same forever and ever. They can't forgive the sins of their fathers. There's, yeah. this is a term that keeps rolling in my head. It's the sins of your father. And my dad was an amazing dad. My, my father-in-law was an amazing dad to, you know, my wife. Um, but we all have these things and really how do we implement change is we identify them in ourselves. This is the most powerful and we change them when we talk about them, we use them as tools and catalysts yeah. for change for the future. Or we, as humans who didn't have fathers who did this, we have the opportunity to change the sins of our fathers and not carry them on as our own. And yeah. I'm using sins kind of loosely, but really like we screw up all the time. Yeah. And my, my whole, my whole, I, like I talk to my boy, if I get upset and say something stupid, I, I just ask my boys for forgiveness, talk it out and tell them, Hey, 
My mind went here. Here's what I wish I would have done differently because I know that I know that I know I'm passing on something to them that is going to help them give them a little bit of a edge in that area in their own life. Yeah. I got, I got a dad question for you. Um, (laughs) I know you're asking me questions, but I want to ask you. Um, I got, I have a six year old, a four year old and a nine month old. And we're in a season where right now, like, I don't think trenches would like describe it properly. It's like, like we are in the trenches, but like it is very difficult. Uh, another mom that I talked to yesterday described it as, Oh, until your kids turn, like your youngest one turns five, you're in uh, quote unquote survival mode. And it, it often does feel like that, but I don't like that concept because it feels so like it feels so victimized. Um, and I definitely own the season that we are in and I know that it is difficult, but something that I've noticed me and my wife, we discussed, we have nights where we, we, we wrap up our night and, you know, we look at each other and we're like, our, our interactions with our kids leading up to their bedtime just now, they really sucked. They were really bad. We, it was a lot of yelling. There's a lot of threatening that if they don't go to bed, there's a, there's a lot of threatening of you come out one more time. And even just the tone that we're using. And I find myself in this season asking for forgiveness from my kids a lot, like just more than I'm, I would be proud to let, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not hiding anything, but it's like, I, I feel embarrassed at times that I feel like I have to ask my kids almost once a day for their forgiveness. And uh, there's seasons where we're going through that. Um, I know that your kids are a little bit older and I love yeah. watching you, like what you're doing with homeschooling your son and all that, something that we're considering. What was that like for you when, when your kids were young? Like, is it, you know, this is this is such an incredible conversation, and I've I've come out the other side, right? So <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm on the other side of this. Yeah. And um, one, understand that this is a season, and I think you use those words. This is a season, and every season brings its own challenges. But I want to encourage you because I have yet to find a year that I'm not more excited about where my kids are than the previous year. So mm. I'm just going to tell you gets so good. It gets so good. And there's always challenges. There's always things. But right now, there's a choice on how you're seeing this tumultuous year, these tumultuous years. The choice is, is this creating resilience and growth? Or is this beating me up? And so you and your wife have to have this conversation. I'm just going to coach here. Yeah, love it. I'm here. You and your wife have to have this conversation. Like we like, hey, do you agree that this sucks and we're really struggling? Yes. Let's agree to that. Okay. Let's retitle this as a season of growth, a season of personal growth for us. So my whole thing is consistency is king consistent. Like if you say you're going to do it, do it no matter how much it sucks, because my wife was phenomenal at this. She'd say bedtime now. And then we learned this thing of like, do you want to go to bed now or in one minute? I don't know if you've used that yet or That's three good. minutes when the, the bedtime is three minutes Ooh, from now the, and you the say false that. option. Wow. It, yes. One that's the, like that's the trap system. door right there. A beautiful manipulation. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's wow. wrapping a turd and gift wrap. Um, but, but make change that voice, change that, that like, Hey, this is a season of growth for us. This yeah. is a season of personal growth for us. But here's what I want to encourage you in Eric. First of all, if you are, telling your kids, I messed up, please forgive me. Even though they're too young to really understand they're not, you are setting an incredible pace of 
how they are to respond when they mess up. Right now, you are laying this foundation. Screw the mindset that parents don't screw up. The best in the world yeah. are doing the exact same thing. Yeah. You have to give yourself some, some peace. You have to give yourself some permission. And then I am 100% saying continue sharing that with them, whether they look at you with empty eyes, but you are setting the standard for how to respond, ultimate responsibility, ultimate accountability for what I have done. You did not, you were not acting the way you acted, but my responsibility is to react in a way that is respectful and as your leader, as your father. Yeah. So next time, this is how you respond. But what I did, please forgive me. Yeah. You're doing it, man. And yeah. you just have to hold hands with your wife yeah. and say, we are in a season. Yeah. And it's not going away anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Let's sharpen each other's swords and, and help ourselves get through this. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question, but man, I've seen the fruits of that. Like so extreme. I don't want to brag. I, but I am so humbled and proud at the same time of the fact that my boys make decisions that there's no way in hell I would have made at their age. Mm, that's they're, good. They're, that's good. I love that. They're so responsible and I'm sure there's stuff I don't know, yeah. but I mean, we, we are living a dream. I have teen boys and we are living a dream. That's love. So that's I, awesome, it works that's and it so works. Weird. And we knew this because my wife, I have to give my credit to my wife. She's so uh, like black and white. And so if a, if the kid steps over the boundaries, she's willing to go through hell to hold that black and white mm. where I was like, Oh, well, they're just having a bad day. Let's let them go five more minutes yeah. or whatever. And she's like, yeah. Nope. That's good. Um, so that consistency was a major key in kind of getting over those humps, but give yourself, give yourself some space. Give yourself. Yeah. Some I, I really appreciate that. I think, I think the word, when you said consistency, it's almost like I had a hard time receiving or accepting that, there should be some consistency in the way that we apologize because what I see it is almost like, oh, this is so redundant that they're getting so used to the like me apologizing so often that maybe it's not even like it's like like I'm creating a narrative that like dad is just mad and he's gonna apologize right away and they're gonna get used to this where it's it's redundant and like they they know the drill you know and I don't want it to feel that way um, because I want them to respond and understand that I I am sorry and I am apologizing because I. I know that I've come short in, in my response to their wrongdoing, you know, <laughs> and, and it's just, it's, it's the funniest thing. And it's the most humbling thing, apologizing to a four and six year old, you oh, know, man. So, no joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost as bad as apologizing to your wife. Like, <laughs> oh, tail between the legs. Uh, I did it last night. I was just, my wife, I was threatened. Yeah. She started, she's doing nutrition coaching. She's, crushing it. She's got so many clients and I'm like, yeah. you took, you took a meeting at 8am. Like that's our morning time. Like, what are you thinking? And I'm like, and it would just went crazy. And I just had to put my tail between my legs and say, I am, uh, and it sucks, dude. It yeah. sucks. Yeah. But, uh, I, it's not redundant, man, because if it comes from the heart, it's real. Yeah. And yeah. they're reading the heart. They're not reading the words. Yeah. Yeah, and I also I think what really helped to hear is that I hear it's everybody says the same thing, but it's almost like when you're in it, it's really hard to it's nearly impossible to receive it because it's like I'm in I'm dude, I'm in I'm in it, man. So like are you sure you get it? And 
but it reminds me of just like the way that you shared about seeds. It reminds me, um, I don't know if you know who Jefferson Bethke is. Mm-mm. Uh, he wrote, uh, Taking Back Your Family. And he was the, he was like the Jesus is not a religion guy, like on YouTube, like years ago. Um, but he, he's doing like some men's work right now too. And, uh, he shared this quote about like just the idea of rain. And, um, without rain, there's like no beauty in the summer. And because rain gives roots to trees and, uh, like plants are only exposed, um, to the sun. And when there's no rain, it becomes dry and flimsy and dead. Uh, and too often we curse what feels like rain in our lives. But those, the truth is that without rain, nothing grows. Right. So it's like in this season where I feel like, I know that really resonated with me right now with what you said, like it's seasonal, but it's when you're in the season, it's, it's, it's just so hard. I think just being human nature is so hard to receive that as truth, you know? Um, it's kind of, it's kind of like, yeah, like you're, cause you're already past it. You know, and it's like, imagine we're, imagine we're running and you lap me and you go, Hey dude, it gets better. And I'm like, Oh yeah, it just sounds good. Cause you're like on lap seven. I'm still on lap four. Like I've, I'm three laps behind you, you know, and it's, it's to hear that is, but when, when everyone crosses the finish line, it's the same feeling regardless of, of, of you, whether you got lapped or not, you know? Yeah. That's a really nice analogy. I, um, I really these seasons that we go through, someone posted today on their business and they're, they're multi, multi, multi millionaires. And they're like, don't look at where I'm at. Look at where I've been because it's the same place you are. I just kept going. And it's the same, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, the, the only way to lose is to give up and to not grow from your mistakes. And I'm a very firm believer. And, you know, whether you believe in God or the Bible or not, um, there's a series that my pastor wrote a book on and he also does a series in preaching and it's, it's, it's all about tests. And he goes through Joseph's story. Joseph was in prison. Joseph was, uh, you know, in charge, Joseph, all these things. And he calls all these tests. I have started to equate every season of my life as a test. Mm, that's good. And, and I'm like, okay, am I in the pit right now? Am I, mm. am, I in a, am I, am I, am I in a prison? Am I, prideful right now. So Mm. every time I'm going against some struggle in my life, I'm like, okay, what am I going through and how do I get through it? And how do I keep myself from this place again? That's good. When I'm doing, this is the best, best, best one because we all have seasons. When I'm on cloud nine, I'm making great money. I'm meshing with my wife. My kids are in, you know, being awesome. Things are going great. I'm like, I have to stop what test am I in right now? Because if I fail this, this is going all the way and I'm going to be back in the pit or I'm going to be back in the mm-hmm. prison, whatever it is. There's these, all these different ones, dude. I think we always have to be self analyzing and analytical about how we're responding to the situations we're in, yeah. because that's going to determine where we go next. Absolutely. Yeah. Reflection yeah. is really, really important. It's super important. And pro pre reflection, like not like, Oh, this is what's going on, but this is where I'm at now. How do I either stay in this or get out of this? Um, but dude, I'm so encouraged just by your ability to kind of think about the situation you're in and the steps you're taking. We need more parents who are admitting that they're screwing up, but also admitting that to, to everyone else so that they see this, because one thing we all think is that we're the only ones doing this. Oh, for sure. And, and that, that, hidden feeling is the first place where we will fail. As soon as we realize, oh, <laughs> Scott's messing up the same way I am, there's there's comfort in that. Or Scott yeah. has messed up the, that way yeah. and I can use what he's 
said to learn and move forward. Yeah. I, we're, we've been, we, we could do, I literally could talk to you for three hours. I could do a Rogan series here. Um, so I, I, you wrote something on the forum before we got on this that I think I know what it's about, but I really wanted to make sure we covered it because I okay. think this is something that I think where you're going with this is something that we need to really talk about a lot. I can't even remember this. So the tombstone question. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what's the tombstone question? Oh man. What's, what's going to be written on my tombstone? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Why is that important? Why is that important? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, this is so the tombstone question. I remember I did this drill, uh, when I was like a teenager and, I love this because it really makes you ask the question of who you are, who you think you are, and who you want to be. Um, and this is something that's, I think, been evolving for me uh, as as someone that's has young children and has been doing what I've been doing for the amount of time that I've been doing it now. I ask a lot of questions about legacy and succession and what does that even look like? And um, I'm, I'm really fortunate I, I in you know, my, my day job, right. Is, uh, I have a, I have an affiliate or gym that I have great leaders in right now. And I see a lot of my role right now as leading them as leaders. Um, I know that a lot of people in our industry don't really ever get to do that because they wear every hat and for the entirety of the time that they own their businesses. Right. It's like, um, very common. Um, and I think that, I think that the t- the tough the tough thing is that asking that question it's it's so raw it's like there are people that I've asked this question to and they they literally don't like they don't know how to answer it right because they haven't given themselves the space to to ask what they, what it even means um, so I think for me if, if I were to answer it in this season right now uh, it what what would it say. Uh, I, I would I would really relish in if or be honored if it said that I was someone that helped and loved others. Uh, if, if if I was someone that served others well, led my family well, um, that I showed up as a husband first. I tell my kids all the time that uh, they're I, I always tell my kids that I love their mom the most mm-hmm. and they hate it. They hate it. They go, what? That's not fair. You're supposed to love me the same. And I go, no, I love your mom first and I love her the most because if I didn't love her first or the most, I wouldn't get to love you. And so I, I, I pray that by, by the time that I'm gone, that, um, I am someone that loved my wife and loved, loved her well. Uh, I'm someone that led my children and especially in this season right now where I view, uh, my children as my first ministry as the most important job. Um, that I have right now. Uh, my mentor, uh, Sean, one of my mentors, uh, Sean Ryder, um, he, he said this issue, he shared this issue and it really resonated was that his goal and vision for this year was to be famous in his own home. And, um, I would love to be famous in my own home because I, I am a go getter and a, and a performer and I want to excel outside of the walls of my home, but I want to win at home first. And let that be everything that I do be an outpouring and overflow of what is good in my family that comes out of there that becomes a blessing to help serve, grow, challenge, um, and 
just bless others. So, yeah. It's beautiful. I think it's a litmus litmus test for men. They probably should uh, transcribe that and read it and an- answer that whether they're meeting those demands or not. I am yeah. so on board with you with I serve my kids by serving my wife. She is yeah. absolutely number one. And I really honor you. I really honor you for, for sharing that. And I think um, I, I'm, I'm just I'm honored to have had this conversation with you, quite frankly. You know, you, you kind of get to know people, but these these opportunities crack that shell open where you really get to see underneath and see what what makes someone tick. Um, and I think these are the things these are the these are the pillars. These are the 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 actions and the way to think that men should strive for. This is the thing that's going to fix our society is men taking this this approach. Uh, strong. We should be strong. We should be dangerous, but we should be loving and forgiving yeah. and um, servants. You know, I, I often I'll say, oh, you know, I my I serve my wife. I'll serve, and I always get the, the these guys are like, oh, you're one of those happy wife, happy <laughs> wife. I'm like, no, yeah. dude, not at all. I'm so freaking happy, and like, yeah. I, I'm going to serve people. Yeah. I don't care what you, label you put on it, but um, I, I'm just, I like your, I like, I like your tombstone answer. Um, your book, when does it come out? Uh, I think in the next two days, we're going to announce it. So Wow, yeah, that's awesome. So. Go hard, brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like post it over and over and over. Shout yeah. out, text everybody, say, buy yeah. my book now. <laughs> Yeah. Give me a review. It's incredibly yeah. important. I don't know yeah. if you have people helping you with that, but it's so I do. I do. I, I'll be honest, like in complete transparency. I think I have like a lot of imposter syndrome with this. Um, Get it's, over it's, it. It's such You're a, awesome. It's such a twofold thing where you, at one, yeah. at, at, on one side, you believe that this is a message that everybody needs to hear. Every man needs to read this. I, I truly believe the mess. I mean, just on the early reader feedback so far, I've had people say like, like, Dave, like, yo, can I get on the phone with you? I, I need to tell you all about yeah. my life, right? And I can't service all that, right? So, like, in what in one state in in one framework, it's like, yes, I wrote it because I can't have this conversation a million times. So, like, read the book and it's going to help you. Right. And then on the other side of that, there's that negative talk that's like, who cares or who are you to think that like anybody would read this thing that you? And it's like it's such a it's like such an interesting balance between the two. Um, so yeah, that's totally like the dichotomy, the two dichotomies that I'm living in right now. Dude, I'm, I'm, I, I experience it. I don't have a book, but I experience that every time I speak my heart. It's just, yeah. it's, it is what, we, what it is. And every time I feel pushed to do a certain thing and I'm like, Ooh, that's going out. Who am I? Who yeah. am I yeah. to do that? Yeah. There's people better than me to do that's, that's the devil speaking. That's for that's sure. Enemy, whatever your yeah. enemy is, that yeah. is the enemy. Yeah. So I want to encourage you, uh, the name of the book. It's don't it run is. from the fight. Uh, don't yeah. run from the fight. The freedom framework for men's power and purpose. Yeah. Love it. And uh, yeah, we need to pop that up on the, on the website. <laughs> I have it on my website. Um, I definitely want a copy and I would suggest that people get the coffee copy. Uh, all the links guys, everybody listening, you're going to want to follow Eric and um, you're going to want to like engage in what he's doing. It's very much in line with, um, you know, my thinking. So if you like my thinking, you might like Eric's. (laughs) Um, And I think that unified message, the message is incredibly important. That's why I do what I do. And I know it's why Eric does what he does. Eric, it's been an absolute honor and I've learned 
And when I go away from podcasts and I've learned, I'm pumped. I appreciate <laughs> that. I thank that, you That's very awesome. much, man. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.